Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. This episode we are reading the Wikipedia page for Bone Sharps, Cowboys, and Thunder Lizards, a graphic novel by Jim Otavani. Now you may be wondering why am I reading the wiki page for this graphic novel, and the answer is I randomly selected it, but it caught my attention because of its really unique name, so I thought it would be fun to learn about it. So, let's jump into it. Bone Sharps, Cowboys, and Thunder Lizards A Tale of Edward Drinker Cope, Othniel Charles Marsh, and the Gilded Age of Paleontology is a 2005 graphic novel written by Jim Otivani and illustrated by the company Big Time Attic. The book tells a fictionalized account of the Bone Wars, a period of intense excavation, speculation, and rivalry, which led to a greater understanding of dinosaurs and other prehistoric life in the western USA during the late 19th century. Bone Sharps follows the two scientists, Edward Drinker Cope and Othniel Marsh, as they engage in an intense rivalry for prestige and discoveries. Along the way, the scientists interact with historical figures of the Gilded Age, including P.T. Barnum and Ulysses S. Grant. While Tavani grew interested, uh, grew interested in the time period after reading a book about the Bone Wars, finding Cope and Marsh unlikable and the historical account dry, he decided to fictionalize events to service a better story. Otavani placed the artist Charles R. Knight into the story as a relatable character for audiences. The novel was the first work of historical fiction Otavani had written. Previously, he had taken no creative license with the characters depicted. Upon release, the novel received praise from critics for its exceptional historic content, although some reviewers wished some more fiction had been woven into the story. Plot Summary The novel begins with Othniel Charles Marsh on a steam train between New York and New Haven when he first meets the showman Phineas T. Barnum. Barnum shows Marsh a copy of the Cardiff Giant. Marsh informs him he intends to expose the giant as a fake. In Philadelphia, Harry Fairfield Osborne introduces artist Charles R. Knight to Edward Drinker Cope, a paleontologist whose entire house is filled with bones and specimens. Cope is commissioning a painting, something to, quote, catch the spirit, end quote, of the sea creature Elasmosaurus. Cope leaves for the West as the official scientist for the U.S. Geological Survey, USGS. On the way, he meets Othniel Charles Marsh, a fellow paleontologist, and shows him his dig site at a marl, marl, M-A-R-L, never heard of that his dig site at a marl pit in New Jersey after Cope leaves. Excuse me. After Cope leaves, Marsh talks to the owner of the land and pays him off to gain exclusive digging rights. At Fort Bridger, Wyoming, Cope meets Sam Smith, a helper of the USGS, and during excavation, Cope finds some of the richest bone veins ever. Sending back carloads of dinosaur bones east to tr by train, Cope encounters Marsh, who is heading out west as well. 
Marsh travels in style, lounging in coach while the rest of his team travels third class. At Fort McPherson, Nebraska, Marsh meets Buffalo Bill Cody, who serves as their guide, along with the Native American Indian tribe. Marsh discovers many new fossils and promises to Chief Red Cloud that he will talk to the President of the USA about the situation of the Native Americans. They have been given spoiled food in exchange for their land. Back east, Knight has finished his reconstruction of Alasmosaurus. He and Knight return to the moral pits of New Jersey, but are forced away. Cope becomes furious and storms away when he learns Marsh has brought has bought the digging rights and published a paper revealing his reconstruction of Elasmosaurus is flawed. Sometime later, bone hunter John Bell Hatcher has taken to gambling, as his employer Marsh is now providing him with enough funds. Marsh lobbies the Bureau of Indian Affairs on behalf of Red Cloud, but also visits with a geological survey, insinuating that he would be a better leader of the USGS than Cope. After learning about Sam Smith's attempted sabotage of Cope and once again receiving no payment for Marsh, Hatcher leaves his, empl his employ. Marsh, now representing the survey, heads west with wealthy businessmen, scoffing at the financial misfortunes of Cope, whose investments have failed. Cope travels with Knight to Europe, Knight with the intention of visiting Parisian zoos, Cope with the intent of selling off much of his bone collection. Cope has also spent much of his money buying The American Naturalist, a paper in which he plans to attack Marsh's dealings. Hatcher arrives in New York to talk about the find Laylaps. In his speech, he subtly hints at the folly of Marsh's elitism and backstabbing, as well as Cope's collection obsession. While attending a conference, Marsh learns that his USGS expense tab, to which he had been charging drinks, has been withdrawn. His publication has been suspended, and the fossils he found as part of the USGS are to be returned to the survey. His colleagues now shun him, the Bone War feud having alienated them. He is forced to go to Barnum to try to obtain a loan. Osborne and Knight arrive at Cope's residence to find the paleontologist has died of illness. The funeral is markedly pitiful, with only a few Quakers and two friends in attendance. Cope has bequeathed his remains to science and requested to have his bones considered to the homo, sa homo sapiens lectotype. Back at Marsh's Marsh, yeah, back at Marsh's residence, the visiting chief Red Cloud examines Marsh's luxuries. Red Cloud's interest is piqued by a long tusk from a mastodon. Marsh relates uh, an ancient Shawnee legend that once there were giant men proportionate to the mastodons before they died out. Chief Red Cloud remarks that it is a true story. Marsh rebuck, rebukes him, saying that science tells modern man that his ancestors were smaller, not larger than him. Red Cloud on the way out responds, It is not a story about science, it is about men. Years later, Knight and his wife are talking wife are taking their granddaughter Rhoda to the American Museum of Natural History. Knight, well known to the staff, is visiting the closed-off areas to have a look at the new mammoth specimens. The girl, however, is eager to see more of her grandfather's paintings. Meaning, the staff are finally getting around to sort of to sorting out Marsh's long-neglected collection of fossils. Two of the workers discover Knight's leaping laylaps has been accidentally left in the storeroom yesterday. 
The painting is taken back downstairs while the workmen unknowingly leave Cope's and Marsh's bones behind. Development Jim Otavani conceived of bone sharks while working at the University of Michigan Library in Ann Arbor. Otavani's job included purchasing books for engineering topics, but a new book about the bone wars caught his eye. He bought the book himself and found himself fascinated by the rivalry between Cope and Marsh. He described his process as spending time doing research before turning an outline and timeline into a structured story. Using the book as a starting point, Otavani read the accounts and biographies of Cope and Marsh, as well as other period sources. During the course of his research, Otavani found that the then-unpublished autobiography of Charles Knight, which inspired him to make the book into a work of historical fiction. Otavani had previously written nonfiction books and comics on scientific figures, but had never written a work of historical fiction. Quote, I found the whole war aspect overhyped, end quote. Otavani recalled, quote, These guys never came to blows or even did anything that went very far beyond questionable ethics. In comparison to the previous works, Otavani calls the scientists the bad guys. While the majority of Bone Sharps is true and all of it is based on history, Otavani took liberties throughout to better serve the story. In real life, Knight did not meet Cope until only a few years before Cope's death. In addition, Knight's autobiography states that it was his it was reporter William Jose Ballou who introduced it to, not Osborne. There is also no evidence Marsh and Knight ever met. On Knight's role in the story, Otavani wrote, As I was reading about Cope and Marsh, I ran across Knight as something of a bit player in their lives. As I got further into the Cope and Marsh story, and I liked the two less and less as people, which is different from liking them as characters, of course, I wanted to have a character in the book for the readers to root for, and neither of the scientists could fill that role. When I found out that Knight had met Cope just before Cope died, I became convinced that he was the character I needed. Otavani's interest in Knight eventually led to his company GT Labs publishing Knight's autobiography, with notes by Otavani and forwards by Ray Bradbury and Ray Harryhausen. Other character relationships were fictionalized as well. Editor James Gordon Bennett Jr. never lobbied with Cope and never exposed Marsh's will. Cope's bones were also never made it excuse me, Cope's bones also never made it to New York. Some conversations, due to their private nature, were fictionalized. Otavani made makes up Marsh's lobby to Congress and what happened during his meeting with President Grant and P.T. Barnum never told off Marsh the way that he did in the novel. Otavani also wove the story of Marsh, wove the story Marsh tells about the Mastodon from several different versions of the legend. A, a key plot point is fabricated for the purposes of dramatic irony. In the book, Marsh has his agent Sam Smith leave a Camarasaurus skull for Cope to find and mistakenly put on the wrong dinosaur. Instead, Hatcher finds it. Smith tries to keep an unwitting Marsh from getting it. But due to Marsh's obnoxious manner, he lets him he lets him after all. As a result, Marsh mistakenly classifies the non existent Brontosaurus. Altavani admits in the book he invented this 
as the literary tradition of hoisting someone up by his own petard was too good to pass up. While Otavani was putting his ideas together, he met Xander Cannon at the 2004 San Diego Comic Convention. Cannon and Associates were forming a new production studio called Big Time Attic. Otavani mentioned he had a proposal he wanted to show them. Referring to Big Time Attic, Otavani stated in an interview that, quote, a newly formed studio taking on a 160-page graphic novel is ambitious, end quote, and that he was lucky to have had the book published. Even the format, the book is wider than it is tall, was a departure for Otavani. He explained that since the story was take, talking about wide expanses of territory in the American West, the artist at Big Time Attic wanted a more non-traditional landscape paint design. Reception The book was generally well received upon release. Comic book letter Todd Klein recommended the book to his readers, stating that the novel was able to convey the depths of Cope and Marsh's rivalry, and quote, we can only wonder how much more could have been accomplished if Cope and Marsh had only been willing to team up instead, end quote. Klein's complaints focus on the somewhat stiff art and the difficulty in telling some characters apart, but said that these shortcomings did not affect the flow and reading. Johanna Carlson of Comics Worth Reading found Bone Sharp's central message, quote, the question of whether promotion is a necessary evil to gather funds through attention or a base desire of those with the wrong motivations, end quote. Still relevant to today's society, Carlson also lauded the flow of the novel and some of the intricate details in the story and setting. Other reviewers praised Audubon's inclusion of notable historical figures and the educational yet entertaining feel of the work and expressive artwork. In addition to minor issues with the art, Entertainment Weekly's Tom Russo felt that more fiction could have been used in the mostly non-fiction writing. Due to the historical background of the book, Bone Sharps has been used in schools as part of a study testing the effects of using comic books to educate young children. Since the release of the graphic novel, Otavani has published other slightly fictionalized historical stories, including Le Levitation, Physics, and Psychology in the Service of Deception and Wire Mothers, and the second novel is Wire Mothers, Harry Harlow and the Science of Love. And that was the end of Bone Sharps and the Wikipedia page. Now, obviously it was a little bit short, so I also am going to include the Wikipedia page for Jim Altavani himself. I'll just start it right now. Jim Altavani is an American writer who is the author of several comic books about the history of science. His best-known work, Two Fists of Science, story, Stories About Scientists, features biographical stories about Galileo Galilei, Isaac Newton, Niels Bohr, and several stories about physics, about physicist Richard Feynman. He is also a librarian and has worked as a nuclear engineer. Biography Altavani has a background in science, earning a B.S. Bachelor of Science at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in 1986, followed by a master's degree in nuclear engineering from the University of Michigan in 1987. He worked for several years retrofitting and fixing nuclear power plants. Intrigued by the research component of his job, 
Otavani began taking library science courses at Drexel University, and in 1990 he enrolled in the Library and Information Science program at the University of Michigan. He earned his MS, Master's of Science, in Information and Library Studies from Michigan in 1992. He spent several years working as a reference librarian at Michigan's Media Union Library. He now works at the University of Michigan Library as coordinator of Deep Blue, the university's institutional repository. Otavani's interests in writing science-related comics were inspired by Richard Rhodes' book, The Making of the Atomic Bomb. In discussing the book with comic book artist Steve Lieber, the two decided to write the and illustrate a famous meeting between physicist Niels Bohr and Werner Heisenberg during the World War II. During World War II, that project expanded to include other stories from the history of science, to become the graphic novel Two-Fisted Science, including stories written by Ottavani and illustrated by a variety of artists. Since the publication of Two-Fisted Science, Ottavani has gone on to write several other comic books about scientists including Dignifying Science, about women scientists, Fallout, about the creation of the atomic bomb, Suspended in Language, about physicist Niels Bohr, and Bone Sharps, Cowboys, and Thunder Lizards, about 19th century paleontologists. These works are all self-published by Otavani's own company, GT Labs, which he started in 1996. The company's name is an homage to General Tektronics Labs, the fictional company where comic book characters Peter Parker was bitten by the radioactive spider that led to him becoming Spider-Man. Two of Altavani's most recent works, Levitation and Wire Mothers, published in July 07, 2007, are the beginning of a planned series on the science of the unscientific. Levitation the physical and psychological aspects of stage magic. Wire Mothers, is, Wire Mothers tells the story of psychologist Harry Harlow's work in the 1950s on importance of love and affection among primates, in contravention of them prevailing theories put forward by the Behavior School of Thought. In addition to his self-published work, Otavani has worked on two short comic books about orangutans, one of which was published by the Orangutan Foundation International. He also has two forthcoming comics in the works uh, to be published by First Second Books, one on physicist Richard Feynman and another on three primatologists, Jane Goodall, Diane Fozzi, and Birut Gladikas. On August 31st, 2011, Otavani appeared on the Science Channel's Dark Matters, Twisted But True. On November 15th, 2013, First Second announced that it would publish Otavani's upcoming biography of Stephen Hawking with illustrations by Leyland Myrick. In June 2014, Tor.com released Otavani and Leyland Purvis Alan Turing's excuse me, and Leyland Purvis's Alan Turing biography, The Imitation Game, for free online. An expanded print version of the book appeared in 2016. Awards Otavani's 2001 graphic novel Fallout, uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer, Leo Sillard, and the Political Science of the Atomic Bomb, was nominated for the 2002 Ignatz Award for Outstanding Graphic Novel or Collection. Dignifying Science, Stories About Women Scientists, was nominated for a 1999 Elsner Award, 
and the 2000 Lulu Award. The 2003 Quantum Entanglement, spooking, Spooky Action at a Distance, Teleportation, and You, very long titles, was nominated for the 2004 Ignatz Award for Outstanding Mini Comic. Altavani was also awarded a 1997 Zurich Foundation Grant for Two-Fisted Science. And that's it. So, that was... Um, I didn't mention it at the beginning of the show. We call this series ASM Articles. Um, basically, just pick a person, place, event, whatever, and we learn about it together. Some of you fall asleep to it. Some of you like to just learn and relax while, you know, just having someone kind of read to you. So that was Bone Sharps, Cowboys and Thunder Lizards, um, as well as Jim Otavani. If you have any suggestions for future ASM articles or show ideas in general, you can always email the show at hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com. Check out our website, sleepandrelaxasmr.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks as always for listening and take care.